Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God, we ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious, it's fun, it's your Catholic Drive Time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. And this is not Joe McClain. This is actually Adrian Fonseca, your producer. And today is a special day. Today is the Feast of All Saints. Yes, spoiler alert, that is the Saint of the Day is All Saints. That's going to be a long Saint of the Day today. We're going to go walk through and we're going to go over the entirety of Butler's Lives of the Saints. Nah, I'm just kidding. I'm joking. I'm joking. No, praise be to God. Today is actually not a live show. It is uh, Joe and I are in bed. We're sleeping, hopefully. Hopefully we're not awake right now. That would be bad. Uh, but the uh, we are taking a break because today is a holy day of obligation. I don't know where you're at or where you're from, but in most places, it is a holy day of obligation. Some dioceses may have uh, moved the obligation to the local Sunday, but, you know, praise be to God. If you can make it to Mass today, get to Mass today. And I must say, if, in fact, you have never been to the traditional Latin Mass, may I recommend going today. Because the Liturgy of All Saints Day is a very, very beautiful uh, liturgy. So I highly recommend if you've never been before. Today on the show, we're going to have Rudy Carlos with the Glad Trad podcast. And we're going to be talking about All Saints Day. So the uh, so that's all we're going to talk about during the guest segment. But the rest of the show, we're going to talk about the Feast of Christ the King, which was yesterday on the traditional calendar and is uh, the last Sunday before Advent on the new calendar. And so we're going to be talking about the Feast of Christ the King, and that's going to be a really great topic. I love it so much. I'm going to read to you Pius XI's encyclical, which sounds, oh, Adrian, that's so boring. No, 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 I promise. You're going to be like, whoa, it sounds like he's writing about today. Because why? Well, Pius XI, when he wrote this and when he did this, he was talking about our times. He was talking about communism, fascism, all these things. So it's, good. it's very relevant, very, very relevant. So very much a very important feast for us to do. So we're going to do something a little bit different. There's going to be no breaking news for today because um, we don't know what the breaking news is. We're recording this a week earlier. So the, it's, we will not be doing breaking news. Instead, we're going to go do the memorare. Then we'll jump into the gospel of the day first, then the saint of the day. And then the we're going to be talking about... The Feast of Christ the King. After we talk about the Feast of Christ the King, we're going to have Rudolfo Carlos on to talk about the All Saints, uh, All Saints Day, what we can learn from that. And uh, we'll jump right into this. We won't, uh, without further ado, uh, we won't want to waste any more time. Uh, praise be to God. And tomorrow we'll let you know what we did for Halloween or All Hallows Eve. The, what did Joe and I do? I don't know. Um, I'm in the same boat as you. I'm waiting to find out what I did as well. So, praise be to God. Let's jump into it. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee to come before thee I stand sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. So today we're going to start off with the gospel. No breaking news. And the gospel for today is John chapter 18. Or actually, let me rephrase that. So go to Mass. You'll hear the gospel there. This is the gospel for the traditional Latin Mass on the Feast of Christ the King, which was yesterday. 
This is John 18, verse 33 to 37. Pilate therefore went into the hall again and called Jesus and said to him, Art thou the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Sayest thou this thing of thyself, or have others told it thee of me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Thy own nation and the chief priests have delivered thee up to me. What hast thou done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would certainly strive that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from hence. Pilate therefore said to him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king, for this was I born, and for this I came into the world, that I should give testimony to the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. The Gospel of the Lord. The saint of the day, as we said before, is the, it is the feast of Christ the King yesterday and All Saints Day today. And so that's what we're going to be talking about, the feast of Christ the King. The feast of Christ the King was established on December 11, 1925, and it was to be done on the Sunday before All Saints Day. And it was uh, then transferred to the last Sunday of the year, which during the next segment, we're going to talk a little bit about how that happened, why that happened and a little bit of uh, information there. But without further ado, here is Pius XI's uh, encyclical on the Feast of Christ the King. The empire of our Redeemer embraces all men. To use the words of our immortal predecessor, Pope Leo XIII, his empire includes not only Catholic nations, not only baptized persons who, though of right belonging to the church, have been led astray by error or have been cut off from her by schism but also those who are outside the Christian faith, so that truly the whole of mankind is subject to the power of Jesus Christ. Nor is there any difference in this matter between the individual and the family or the state. For all men, whether collectively or individually, are under the dominion of Christ. In him is the salvation of the individual, in him is the salvation of society. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given to men whereby we must be saved." He is the author of happiness and the true prosperity for every man, man and for every nation. For a nation is happy when its citizens are happy. What else is a nation but a number of men living in concord? When, one man, when once man recognizes, both in private and in public life, that Christ is king, society will at last receive the great blessing of real liberty, well-ordered disciple, peace, and harmony. That these blessings may be abundant and lasting in Christian society, it is necessary that the kingship of our Savior should be as widely as possible recognized and understood. Yet in many places, the empire of Christ over all nations was rejected. The right which the church has from Christ himself to teach mankind to make laws, to govern peoples and all that pertains to their eternal salvation, that right was denied. Then gradually the religion of Christ came to be likened to false religions and to be placed ignominiously on the same level with them. It was then put under the power of the state and tolerated more or less at the whim of princes and rulers. Hmm. Sounds like Australia and the United States and most countries. Some men went even further. There were even some nations who thought they could dispense with God, that the, their religion should consist in impiety and, and the neglect of God. The rebellion of individuals and states against the authority of Christ has produced deplorable consequences. We firmly hope, however, that the feast of the kingship of Christ, which in future will be yearly observed, may hasten the return to society of our, to our loving Savior. 
It would be the duty of Catholics to do all they can to bring about this happy result. Many of these, however, have neither the station in society nor the authority which should belong to those who bear the torch of truth. This state of things may perhaps be attributed to a certain slowness and timidity in good people who are reluctant to engage in conflict or oppose but a weak resistance. Thus, the enemies of the church become bolder in their attacks. But if the faithful were generally to understand that it behooves them ever to fight courageously under the banner of Christ the King, then fired with the apostolic zeal, they would strive to win over to their Lord those hearts that are bitter and estranged from him and would valiantly defend his rights. Moreover, the annual and universal celebration of the Feast of the Kingship of Christ will draw attention to the evils which anti-clericalism has brought upon society in drawing men away from Christ, and will also do much to remedy them. While nations insult the beloved name of our, of our Redeemer by suppressing all mention of him in their conferences and in their parliaments, we must all the more loudly proclaim his kingly dignity and power all the more universally affirm his rights. When we pay honor to the princely dignity of Christ, men will doubt, doubtless be reminded that the church founded by Christ as a perfect society has a natural and inalienable right to perfect freedom and immunity from the power of the state. And in the fulfilling the task committed to her, and fulfilling the task committed to her by God of teaching, ruling, and guiding to eternal bliss, those who belong to the kingdom of Christ, she cannot be subject to any external power. Nations will be reminded by the annual celebration of the feast that not only private individuals, but also rulers and princes are bound to give public honor and obedience to Christ. It will call to their minds the thought of the last judgment wherein Christ, who has been cast out of public life, despised, neglected, and ignored will most severely avenge these insults. For his kingly dignity demands that the state should take account of the commandments of God and of Christian principles, both in making laws and administering justice, and also in providing for the young a sound moral education. Sounds like a condemnation of the public school system, if you ask me. The faithful, moreover, by meditating upon these truths will gain much strength and courage, enabling them to form their lives after the true Christian ideal. If to Christ our Lord is given all power in heaven and on earth, if all men purchased by his precious blood are by a new right subjected to his dominion, if this power embraces all men, it must be clear that not one of our faculties is exempt from his empire. He must reign in our minds, which should assent with perfect submission and firm belief to reveal truths and to the doctrine of, doctrines of Christ. He must reign in our wills, which should obey the laws and precepts of God. He must reign in our hearts, which should spurn natural desires and love God above all things and cleave to him alone. He must reign in our bodies and our members, which should serve as instruments for the interior sanctification of our souls or to use the words of St. Paul, and instruments of justice unto God. If all these truths are presented to the faithful for their consideration, they will prove a powerful incentive to perfection. It is our fervent desire, venerable brethren, that those who are without the fold may seek after the, and accept the sweet yoke of Christ, and that we, who by the mercy of God are of the household of the faith, may bear that yoke, not as a burden, but with joy, with love, with devotion, that having lived our lives in accordance with the laws of God's kingdom, we may receive full measure of good fruit, counted by Christ's good and faithful servants. We may be rendered partakers of eternal bliss and glory with him in his heavenly kingdom.
Praise be to Jesus Christ. Christ is king. Truly, he is king. Amen. Amen. Now, who? what does it mean that Christ is king? Let's break this open just a little bit. And when I, if you wanted to see where I got that from, that's Pius XI's encyclical, Quas Primas. And also, if you have the Benedictus, it's kind of like the Magnificat uh, prayer book. And this is the Benedictus. It's the Latin Mass version of the Magnificat, essentially. And what is the Feast of Christ the King? Well, uh, Pius XI was living through communism, fascism, and other kinds of isms that were arising throughout the world. And the monarchies were dying. Monarchies were being oppressed. We had Americanism uh, propping up. The United States was being created. A democratization of the world was happening. And Pius XI looked at this and saw there a great need to have our Lord present as Christ the King. Now, this has so many ramifications. I can imagine, like, obviously, I didn't see the Cristeros writing about how this was, they were inspired by Christ the King. I don't know if the Cristeros read Quas Primas, but they didn't need to because the Cristeros, when they were fighting, they had in their hearts that Christ is King. He's not just King over our hearts, but he is King over our hearts. It's true that he is King over our hearts, but he's also sovereign over all things. He's sovereign over everything. And so if someone tells you to do something that is contrary to the will of God, you have to respond, long live Christ the King. Why? Because Christ is our ruler at the end of the day. And what he says goes, it's kind of like, think about it this way. If your boss tells you to do A, but your uh, immediate superior tells you to do B, who do you listen to? Well, obviously you listen to the person who reigns supreme. You listen to the person who signs the paychecks. Not necessarily your direct supervisor, because the boss is over your superior. In the same way, Christ is king. Christ is king over everything. And so if, if the government tells you to do one thing, but you know it goes against Christ the king's rules, his order, we have to say no. Viva Cristo Rey. If the rights of the church are being stamped out, we must say no. Viva Cristo Rey. This is the attitude we must have when these things start coming towards us. And as Pius XI stated here, the problem today, the reason why the enemies of the church have gained so much ground, the reasons why the enemies of the church are starting to conquer, and it seems, even though it's not true, it seems that the gates of hell are prevailing, is because Catholics refuse to stand up and fight for Christ the King, fight with the banner of Christ the King over them. We're going to talk a little bit more about Christ the King coming up next. Uh, You won't want to go anywhere. A little bit more on Christ the King in just one moment. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Gloryandshine.com, a generous underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Gloryandshine.com is a Catholic family-owned company making a variety of personal care products ranging from lotions, soap bars, gift boxes, body mist, beard care, and more. At Gloryandshine.com, they state their mission is to, quote, 
craft every product with deep intention while holding a vision of sharing the gospel. They are good for the body, mind, and soul. Unquote. God love you, GloryAndShine.com. Thank you again. The next National Men's March to End Abortion is Monday, November 15th in Baltimore. We will gather outside of a local abortion center and march to our rally point outside of the USCCB Fall Assembly. Men, it's time. Surely, if you're thinking about the reality, the horror, and the enormity of abortion, you have to be moved to do something. Go to themensmarch.com for more information and commit to join us on November 15th in Baltimore. So, no live show today, but don't worry, we'll be back tomorrow. For today, we're going to be talking a little bit more about Christ the King, and then we're going to spend the rest of the show talking to Rodolfo Carlos on the topic of the All Saints Day. But let's drive right back into Christ the King. We only got a couple more minutes for this, and then Rodolfo. Okay, why is it uh, the Feast of Christ the King? Well, Initially, that's what the name of it was. It was Christ the King, referring to the social kingship of Christ. Meaning what, exactly? Meaning that Christ is sovereign over all nations, that his laws are above all other laws. Now, the uh, Pope Paul VI, um, he actually moved, they changed it, or moved it, or replaced, rather. He replaced the old feast of Christ the King, which happened the day before All Saints Day, or the Sunday before All Saints Day, rather, to be specific, he changed it to what? He changed the feast to, quote, the solemnity of our Lord Jesus Christ, King of the universe. Now, this is a great title, and he moves it to the last Sunday of the liturgical year. Why does he do this exactly? Well, the, it's kind of complicated, but to simplify it very clearly, say, Paul VI is trying to emphasize the point that Christ is sovereign over everything at the end of time. That he's the eschatological Christ, the Christ of a king at the end of time, the cosmic Christ, the spiritual Christ. All these kind of ideas uh, fall into the idea of the solemnity of our Lord Jesus Christ, king of the universe. Uh, Paul, the, the pious the 11th, rather, when he did this, he made this in order to emphasize the social kingship of Christ, referring specifically that Christ is king here and now. Now, Paul VI isn't incorrect, but I think that the that Pius XI was trying to hammer the point against the modern errors, and we see them present today, and America is filled with it. Why? Because we have a very anti-monarchical idea of the world. Because we kind of grew up in this, like, democracy is the best, all these kind of ideas, we kind of exude, we kick out a monarchy, and we forget so many saints were monarchs. We have so many saints, to name just a few. Uh, we have King St. Ferdinand. We have King um, Louis IX. We have uh, Charlemagne, who is uh, uh, disputably a saint. So there's so many things where this happens from, and we kind of reject it out of hand because we have this knee-jerk American idea that monarchies are mostly evil and democracies are good. But this wasn't the case up until the modern era. Before the modern era, we understood that the kingship of Christ that the kingdom, that a monarchy is a reflection of the heavenly kingdom because our Lord, when he set up a kingdom, he made it just like the family because our family, when we look at our family, we have the father who is the head of the household. He is the king of his house. The mother is the queen of his house and her son and the children are the subjects and the subjects should obey her, their parents. 
And it just says, uh, and so this is the, the structure of the kingdom. And from there, we rise it upward and we see we like have princes and dukes. And from there, we have the kings. And of course, over that, we have our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And even the church is formatted that way. That's why we call the bishops the princes of the church. Because our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, he is the king of the church. Christ is the head of the church. And Peter, he is, stands in the place of the king as the king is away. And after that, we have the bishops who are the princes of the church. And so this is formated in a monarchical way. And so many kings were saintly men who we can look up to as an example of true monarchy, where monarchy is a beautiful thing. And we, have to, we can't reject this. And so let's think to ourselves about Christ as king of the universe, but also down to the very particular, Christ as king of our hearts. And not only that, but everything in between. That Christ who came from heaven, Descended down here. He's here and he wants to have control over all things. Why? Not because he wants to be a dictator. No, not a dictator, but a loving savior that leads us to all goodness and all happiness. His laws are directed towards our very good. And that's going to have to do it for our talk about uh, the uh, Feast of Christ the King. We're going to jump in the interview with Rudolfo right now. Praise be to God. Joining us by Zoom chat right now is Rudolfo Carlos, otherwise known as Rudy, and he is with the Glad Trad podcast. We've had him on in the past, praise be to Jesus, and we thought it would be fun if we could talk to Rudy about All Saints Day, especially since at this very moment I am fast asleep at the house, but you are watching, and so we wanted to give you some unique and custom comment uh, content just for you. Good morning to you, Rudy. Good morning, Joe. Good morning, Adrian. How are you guys doing? Praise be to God, we are alive. Praise be to God, I am probably asleep right now, so I'm probably great. <laughs> God is very good. How are you, by the way? I'm great. You know, just kind of uh, dealing with a, a slight little cold. So if you can, I don't know if if it's uh, you know too complicated to to hear, that's why. <laughs> uh, you have a new baby at home too. I do. Yes, she's three months old as of yesterday. Congratulations! And uh, she's a twelve pound lunker. Oh, <laughs> nice. Uh, She's and, a big fish. And uh, have you gotten used to changing diapers yet? Oh, yeah. I'm a natural. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> your wife is like, it's your turn again. Yeah. <laughs> praise uh, be, praise to be to God. She's, she's very, very helpful with, Good. with that. So. Awesome. Praise Step be in to when Jesus. I have to. Well, that's exciting, you know, and uh, it's her first All Saints Day. Are mm-hmm. you guys doing anything special? Yeah, there's a uh, little pageant at the uh, at the uh, local parish. So we're going to dress her up as comfortable as possible. We're going to go with Our Lady of Grace and oh. uh, and dress her up for that. So it's a small little potluck, and uh, we're going to go to Mass. Yeah, praise how God. How about yourself? Yeah, we we tend to celebrate to All Saints Day. In fact, my wife gets all excited. The kids are all already, they've been planning which saint they are going to be now for for weeks and weeks, and they've been preparing the props and buying the costumes and, and everything mm-hmm. else. And, you know, my, my sons, of course, it has to be a saint with a sword and armor, which limits things a little King bit. King St. Ferdinand, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's only so many of those saints to go around, so they mm-hmm. tend to recycle them. You know, St. George, yeah. oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Louis the Ninth. I guess you could put them in there, you know. So it's uh, hilarious to watch the boys, uh, you know, find St. Michael. How many times has a boy been St. Michael <laughs> at All Saints Day? Uh, but Absolutely, and I think uh, our listener, if you are haven't gone to Mass today yet, 
which it's a bright and early in the morning, so probably not. But if uh, I highly recommend, if you can find a traditional Latin mass, check it out today because it's a very beautiful mass today. They're going to sing the DACRA, which is an old, old, old hymn uh, that is sung, or, or sequence rather, that's sung during the liturgy. And it's probably one of the most beautiful uh, masses that you can attend. So if you've never been before, today would be a good try to try to see how you, what you think about it. Yeah, amen. And yesterday being Halloween, uh, so many of our friends and neighbors celebrated by dressing up, uh, I don't know, in crazy costumes and, and going door to door, those types of things. The ghouls, the goblins, the, the, the crazy, horrific scenes displayed on people's lawns. You know, how do we as Catholics celebrate this time of year, Rudy? Well, that's a good question, Joe. I, I take a, a more prudential approach to this sort of thing. Um, and now that I'm a father, I wonder if it's a good idea to even participate in the secular uh, way that uh, that people celebrate Halloween. Uh, but I think the best way that you could possibly do it if you're a parent is to sanctify these days. Um, and, you know, your children, they want to dress up. They want to emulate uh, people with great virtue. You know, just like you said, your 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 son, he he wants to emulate these warriors, right? These these people who fought for Christ. Why not instead of participating in Halloween, you can redirect that that creative energy to uh, something like an All Saints Day parade? You know, I think that I think that's a reasonable approach. You know what? I, I you go back to Hebrews chapter twelve, my favorite epistle from Saint Paul. Just saying. Uh, we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, and that's been one of the aspects about the Catholic faith that really changed my biblical worldview. As a Protestant growing up, you know, there was a divorce in my mind and in the theology between the Old Testament and the New Testament, uh, and coming into the faith and slowly learning about uh, the, histor- the historical narrative of salvation history, learning how to see and read Scripture from a Catholic perspective. Scott Hahn was fantastic for this, in my opinion. His book, A Father Who Keeps His Promises, or his book, uh, First Comes Love, I thought were just mind-blowing to me because they made me realize that when Christ died for us on the cross, he didn't just die for me and me only. It wasn't like a him and me kind of thing. He gave me his mother at the foot of the cross. He gave me into the hands of his father at the foot of the cross. He, he beckoned me into his kingdom at, the, at that cross. And so he's given me all the saints that have gone before me. And, uh, and what an opportunity to realize that we are being reborn into a family of God. And isn't that at the heart of All Saints Day? Absolutely. You know, when we think about the saints, the the thing that comes to mind are, are all of the, the saints that have been canonized that have been added into, you know, days of liturgical feasts and things like that. But I think in the wisdom of Holy Mother the Church, um, she wanted to create a day for us to remember all of the other unknown saints, all of the unknown martyr, martyrs, right, who died for Christ. And there's a very real possibility that there are people in heaven whom we encountered who are now uh, a, um, uh, interceding for us before the throne of God. And I think that's amazing, that that thread of family that you're talking about is something so important that we shouldn't forget that there's people up there who are praying for us. 
Yeah, praise be to God. And, you know, I think I, one of the books that I really love that I've read a few times, but recently I was, I have this uh, on my bookshelf and I was like, I want to just grab something to read. So I just picked it off the shelf. It was Father Sullivan's book on purgatory. And in it, he talks about how the pains of purgatory are just an excruciating pain. And it's not something because people will often say, I'm aiming for purgatory. And I'm like, yikes, dude, if you're aiming for purgatory, no. you miss where are you going to end up? <laughs> uh, might as well just aim for heaven and, and be grateful if you end up in purgatory. But yeah. praise be to God. But the problem is we kind of lost the tradition of praying for the souls, the holy souls in purgatory. We kind of have this mentality that it's this one flash moment and it's not that bad. And, you know, it's, it's a purification process, but it's more like someone getting a, getting a, taking a bath rather than cleansing fire. Could you talk about uh, All Saints Day in relation to purgatory? Uh, well, um, All Saints Day, I think if we have to talk about All Saints Day, we would uh, better start with the foundation of the three states of the church, right? So there's the church militant, there's the suffering church, and then there's the triumphant church. Uh, the church militant is a state of the church we find ourselves in, and we're fighting here on earth to attain heaven, and thereby we conquer our worldly appetites that take our focus off of God, as well as the forces of evil that we know exist here. And we're also rallied under the banner of Christ the King, um, fighting the threefold concupiscence of the world. So the, the flesh, the eyes, and pride. And then the church suffering are those poor souls who died in the friendship of God, but who still retained you know, certain things that need to be purified, kind of like uh, refining gold. You know, the soul is, is so valuable and, and precious to God, but sometimes it's dross and it needs to be refined. And then the church triumphant describes those saints in heaven who are in the perfection of, of God and who are interceding for us. And in relation to the, the saints, in relation to the, the Holy Souls in purgatory, the, the saints can pray and intercede for those Holy Souls who are suffering. But we can also. And that's an aspect that I think is really Atheists often justify their atheism by saying there's no scientific evidence for God. But this is problematic for two reasons. First, science can no more detect God than a metal detector can detect plastic cups. God, who is immaterial, is beyond the scope of scientific inquiry because science is restricted to detecting matter. This leads to a second critique. The argument confuses method with reality. Science's inability to detect God says nothing whether or not God exists. It's simply a manifestation of the limitations of its detecting powers. To say God doesn't exist because science can't detect him is to confuse the limitations of the method for knowing reality with what is real. So it really doesn't matter that science can't detect God, and therefore is not a justifiable reason to be an atheist. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you.
so valuable and, and precious to God, but sometimes it's dross and it needs to be refined. And then the church triumphant describes those saints in heaven who are in the perfection of, of God and who are interceding for us. And in relation to the, the saints, in relation to the, the holy souls in purgatory, the, the saints can pray and intercede for those holy souls who are suffering. But we can also, and that's an aspect that I think is really something that, that we can participate in these days, right? The culture has a, a sort of morphed these holidays into uh, a, a secular holiday, right? Where they think about death. Well, for us, we have to remember our dead and pray for them because there's something certain about death. They're, they're, the certain thing is that you're either going to be in any of these places, right? And the reality is, is that a lot of people end up in purgatory. So mm -hmm. we have to pray for them because oftentimes they get forgotten. We're talking with Rudolfo Carlos. He's uh, one of the hosts of the Glad Trad podcast. We've had them on a couple of times, and we're glad to have him back here to talk about All Saints Day. And, you know, one of the, the aspects of All Saints Day that I think I, I love as a father and a husband is that opportunity to not just have, see my kids dress up and my wife get all into the, the opportunity to uh, you know, find the costumes, help, and build this tradition within our family, but the kids also learn something about the saints' lives, right? So it's a focus upon these heroic Christian brothers and sisters who've gone before us who, you, in most cases, gave their entire lives, even to death, uh, for, for Christ and for the kingdom and for the salvation of souls. And then to share that, to watch my kids so gladly and energetically, enthusiastically share that information with others, uh, either at the parish or or in their social groups or what have you. I just love seeing that. To me, that gives me great um, joy to see my kids sh talking about the faith, talking about the saints. Uh, you know, how many times have we talked about our favorite you know, baseball players, football players, those kinds of things, mm -hmm. and to see them talking about the saints like that, boy, that's just amazing. Yeah, it's true. There's a, um, you know, there's a, a sort of a, a thread of, of thought nowadays that children can't, uh, understand these these saints. They can't understand the teachings of the church. But like you said, you know, you ask any kid really who's into baseball, you know, talk about baseball. They'll give you all the stats, right? They'll give you everything. Um, what's to stop us from from teaching our our children about their heritage, about Holy Mother the Church? Yeah, this, this rich inheritance that that we uh, participate in. I, I want to read a little bit from the uh, John chapter 15. I think this is an important passage, especially in light of the communion of the saints. It's one that I've often referred to talking to Protestants. And the, the, the opening verse, this is from the Douay Rames, opening verse says, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. And then if you skip down to verse 5, it says, I am the vine, you are the branches. This is our Lord and Savior speaking here. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same beareth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. For if anyone abide not in me, he shall be cast forth as a branch, and shall wither. And they shall gather him up, and cast him into the fire, and he be a burneth. Now that's a, a, that's a pretty hardcore thing to, con to contemplate. But one thing that always, uh, that always fascinated me about this particular passage, especially in light of the saints, on uh, this feast day of all saints is that if Christ is the vine and we are the branches, 
branches connected to the vine in heaven and branches connected to, to the vine on earth are connected to the same vine. And we enjoy this communion. Why do you think so many in the church, Protestantism as well, why do you think they struggle with this idea that we can have deep and abiding relationships with the saints that have gone before us? That's a good question. I, I wonder about that sometimes, too. Personally speaking, in my own life, you know, um, sometimes I forget to ask for the intercession of, of those who are in heaven. We know that they are there. Their uh, canonizations, they, they imply that they are there and that, that they are interceding for us. I think with Protestants, I've heard that um, I've heard that it's it's more of a linguistic thing. You know, with Protestants, they say that uh, you worship the saints, or that's the understanding that they have that you're worshiping these saints. But for you, dear listener, who might be a Protestant or or who doesn't understand really how that works, it would be the equivalent of asking your friend to pray for you. I mean, you know that you know, your friend's going to do it for you, right? A good friend, you ask for their prayer, you can guarantee that they're going to get down on their knees and, and pray for you for whatever reason that is. And it's the same thing with the communion of saints. They are there and they seek to do the will of God. They're, you know, they're there adoring God. And part of doing the, the will of God is also to help us. So it is a stumbling block sometimes for people, but it's not as uh, complicated as it needs to be. Mm. It's like, uh, <laughs> I think sometimes people think uh, about these things a little bit too, too much. You need to be like a dog in a, uh, in a car, okay? <laughs> the dog sticks his, his head out of the, the window. It's not thinking, well, how is it that this car is going 70 miles per hour? It doesn't have any legs, right? <laughs> but it's just going, and it's enjoying the wind in its face. It's the same thing with these things. It's not as complicated as it seems. Yeah. They're up there. They're praying for us, and they're willing to help us. But also, though, the saints being perfectly united to God in the beatific vision, their will has been melted and molded completely and perfectly into that of God. And exactly. so they, they want only what God wants. They don't want anything for themselves or their own intentions, only what God desires. And does God not desire the salvation of all of us? Yeah. Right. And I think, uh, I know I was having a conversation with a, a Protestant uh, man that I ran into at the mall and we just, just hit up a conversation and he believed in soul sleep. And so his idea, he, met so we were, like yeah, so we were talking about the saints and things and he was like, yeah, I mean, all that makes sense. I mean, it's fine if you wanted to do that, but they're not alive. They're dead. You can't talk to them. They can't I hear you. I had the same conversation. Yeah, and I was like, well, this conversation is going to end up going nowhere because <laughs> uh, you, don't, you don't even think that they're alive in heaven. So this John is, 8 uh, <laughs> addresses this very specifically, actually. But uh, one thing that I would like to, uh, to shift to is talking about, you know, we talked about the souls in purgatory, the holy souls there. And, uh, and you know, one of the things I loved about Read Me or Rue It by Father Sullivan on purgatory, he talks about how whenever you pray for the souls in purgatory, they become a friend of yours. They become, they'll pray for you uh, when they enter into the kingdom of heaven. Uh, what are the indulgences that you can receive during the, uh, they're in all hollows tide, uh, which is the, uh, the eight days, the octave. Could you explain that for us? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I want to say that, let's see here. A plenary indulgence is applicable, applicable only to the souls in purgatory. And it's granted every day in November uh, from November 1st to November 8th. That's traditionally 
how it's done. However, uh, this year it was extended. Um, according to the National Catholic Register, Cardinal Mauro Piacencia, head of the Apostolic Penitentiary, uh, Vatican Tribunal dealing with the matters of conscience, said that the indulgence traditionally obtained during the first week of November can be gained throughout the entire month of November. The Vatican announced October 28th. So in order to gain this indulgence, you have to go to a uh, cemetery and you pray for the holy souls in purgatory there. Um, and a good example of uh, just a simple prayer that you can add um, would be to pray the Requiem Eternum. So mm. eternal rest granted to them, O Lord, and let perpetual light shine upon them. May they rest in peace. Amen. doesn't need to be complicated. Very simple prayer. You're praying. You're lifting your mind to the uh, those holy, holy souls in purgatory and asking God for, for mercy for them. Um, there are conditions, however, that need to be met for, uh, for receiving these indulgences. You often hear uh, about these conditions. So uh, the conditions for these would be you have to be, number one, in a state of grace, right? Uh, you have to want to gain the indulgence so you have to consciously say like i'm gonna i'm gonna pray for the holy souls i want this you know it's not just an automatic thing and you have to go to the sacrament of confession i believe in certain regions they accept a confession within 20 days i think that's really i've right. heard it was always has to be within eight days yeah i think they extended it's it uh, to it yeah, yeah i think they extended it to 20 and some locations. Really? That's right. Well, look, I need yeah. to move to these locations. I think, America, <laughs> I think America is one of the locations. Is it like really? Like the entire country of America, yeah. yeah. Praise be to God. That is amazing. Yeah, and the other conditions would be to receive Holy Communion and pray for the Holy Intentions. But there is the a catch, though, Rudy. There is a catch. There uh, is. There is a catch. And, and you uh, know it. I do what know it. What is it? It's the old gotcha clause to the whole <laughs> indulgence thing. You also have to be free from even venial sins. Or oh, be from detachment. Detachment. Yeah. Okay, good luck. God bless being completely detached from all venial sins. Yep. Yeah. Especially after one. Halloween, whenever I have that bag of candy exactly. staring at me. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yes. and gluttony is whispering in my ear. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I mean, uh, that is, uh, it's hard. That's, that's actually quite a challenge. I think that's the hardest one of all of the conditions. Because the whole time you ever hear a priest talk about this, oh, you got to do this, you got to do that, you're, you're, you're going through in your, in your head. Check. Uh, yes. Okay, uh -huh. sure, I could do that, no problem. I got it. Yeah, uh-huh. Oh, God, you can do this. I'm out. Sorry. I got nothing. <laughs> Can't make it happen. But they're still good news. But they're way good This is Dale Alfquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, Why do Christians talk so much about God and so little about humanity? G.K. Chesterton says that the people who insist that we forget divine things and think of human things end up talking about how helpless human beings are because of their faulty environment or their fatal heredity or their uncontrollable animal instincts. And it all ends with the old fatalist cry that we must forgive everything because there's nothing to forgive. But these things are not the human things. These are the subhuman things, the, the things we share with animals. The human things are exactly what they dismiss as merely divine. The human things are free will, responsibility, authority, and self-denial. 
the things that are really human are also divine. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Gluttony is whispering in my ear. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I mean, uh, that is, uh, it's hard. That's, that's actually quite a challenge. I think that's the hardest one of all of the conditions. Because the whole time you ever hear a priest talk about this, oh, you got to do this, you got to do that, you're, you're, you're going through in your, in your head, check, like, yeah. okay, uh-huh. sure, I could do that, no problem, I got it, yeah, uh-huh, oh, detachment from venial sins. I'm out. Sorry. I got nothing. <laughs> Can't make it happen for some odd reason. But there's still good news, though. But there, wait, there's news. more. But wait, there's more. Wait. <laughs> the, uh, the, if you do not receive a plenary indulgence for whatever reason, you can still receive a partial indulgence. And these, in particular, are for the holy souls in purgatory. So you're not receiving these for yourself. You're receiving mm-hmm. them for the souls in purgatory. So I know my family, we're going to try to... And I, I forgot. I didn't know that it was expended for the entirety of November this year. So thank you. I didn't actually didn't know that. So praise be to God. I'm going to have to uh, make more than... Uh, trips this next week. I have to make more trips, but you know, praying for my deceased grandmother and praying for people, um, a lot of family and friends who have died. So I absolutely be doing that. Praise be to God. Such an opportunity for our deceased family members. I it really hurts me whenever uh, I hear sermons of people uh, canonizing the deceased after uh, during the funeral because I'm like, you're robbing them of prayers that they should be getting. Um, and I know at my funeral, I praise be to God. I desire that they not canonize me because I, I will be it'll be a blessing if I even make it to purgatory. Um, but yeah, so could you speak a little bit about the the crisis of uh, you know canonizations at funerals and why we should probably not do that? Yeah, I can tell you from a personal experience um, burying my dad in January. Uh, you know, he uh, he was a very private person, so I never really knew who he was friends with. I couldn't invite all of his friends, but. You know, the people that I did invite were like my aunt, my uncle, and some of his roommates, you know, his roommate and her son or whatever. And uh, I remember, because I agree with you, I think it's really sad and tragic when that happens. People try and canonize people uh, at the funeral mass, and it's not, <laughs> it doesn't do them any any good. And certainly that happened for my father, you know, one of the, the, the persons who was at the, uh, at the funeral said, like, oh, he's in a better place, he's in a better place. And I said, look, I'm going to stop you right now. This isn't me being emotional or anything. I'm just going to tell you straight up, we don't know that for a fact. We certainly don't know that. He might even be in the worst place. I don't know. So don't, don't ever stop praying for him. And that's what I told uh, my father you know, in his last moments, I I told him, listen, I'm going to pray for you for the rest of my life. I promise you that. That's what I can give to you. I couldn't be there. You know, being here in California, 
I couldn't get into the hospital. Couldn't get a, a priest into the the room. That's horrible. Very sad situation. So you know? sorry. So thank you. But uh, yeah, don't ever stop praying for your your family and your friends. They need you. They need you. Yeah, you understand know, that. We're talking with Rudolfo Carlos. He is uh, the co-host of Glad Trad Pod- Podcast, talking about All Saints and even All Souls Day. And this, I think, is a great reminder. Something you just said should be a wake-up call to all of us. You don't know the day. You don't know the hour. If there's something we can learn from the saints, and that's to be ready, to always be ready, to live in that state of grace, to be perpetually prepared to meet eternity, uh, because you just don't know. Because how I, you're like the fourth or fifth person I know who's had similar circumstances where they've had relatives in the hospital, they can't go visit, they can't get a priest in there, the hospital locks them out. Um, Boy, could you imagine being stuck in that situation? You weren't prepared, you didn't go to confession, and you can't even get to see a priest. That is a pretty frightening situation. Mm. Yeah, it really was. Um, Dear listeners, I don't know if you're still, I don't know how uh, locked down the country is outside of California. Honestly, here, it's, <laughs> it's almost like nothing changed. Um, but one thing that did give me solace was that, uh, you know, this was a Catholic hospital. I won't go too much into detail about it, but uh, the priest would not go into the room. However, the Protestant uh, ecumenical people would go into the room. Wow. And so I gave this Protestant some Lord's water that I happened to have, and I asked her to please place the green scapular on my father. Mm. So that's certainly an option um, that we we give somebody a green scapular with great faith and trust in our blessed mother that she'll lead this person mm. to a conversion. Who knows at the end of their life and the very last seconds of their life, they may convert and uh, you retain that prayer. You keep praying for that. That's, that's the, the way that I continue to pray for my father. Wow. And um, I, I will say like in a practical sense, you know, if it seems daunting to pray for the Holy souls in purgatory, add it to your meal prayer. That's mm. what we do in our family. We just add it. We tack it on. Me know? too. Absolutely. And, I learned it when I was in the novitiate for the Dominicans. We used to add it on to our prayer. And so I, when I left, I, I kept that tradition. It's a beautiful tradition. Absolutely. Um, so praise be to God. You know, that reminds me, I told the story many times. I think I told it many times on the stage, on the radio, but uh, Father Isaac Relier uh, gives a great sermons on the four last things. And one of the things he talks about is that you never stop praying for someone after they die. That mm-hmm. our Lord can take the grace that your prayer has a hundred like ten, twenty years after the fact and apply it to the moment of the of your family member's death. Um, which it really shook me to the core because I'm like, wow, that's that's so beautiful. And he tells a story of this priest who was uh, his mother was a Jew and he con- uh, converted to Catholicism, became a priest, and he uh, his mother never converted to Catholicism, then she dies. And he's heartbroken over it. And so for the rest of his life, from the moment he became a priest to the moment that he died, he kept praying for his mother and he would offer up, consecrate her soul to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. And one day Our Lady gave him this uh, grace to have a vision of his mother's last moments. And at her judgment seat, at her judgment seat, Our Lady appeared there as a loving mother and said, and told our Lord, this child was given to me by one of your priests. And I will protect her. I will defend her. And she was given the grace to have a vision of the truths of the Catholic faith. And she accepted them. And it was said that if she would have came back to life, she would have been baptized and lived the rest of her life as a faithful Catholic. And because of that, 
She was entered into the church by baptism of desire and she was saved. And I'm like, that is such a beautiful story. That, and it's such hope that we can pray for those who have died, those who we love, who have fallen away Catholics. Never stop praying for them. Never stop praying for them. Such a beautiful, beautiful sentiment. Rudy, I have a question for you. Um, I went to the movies yesterday. I don't know if you've heard of the movie called Purgatory. Uh, it's uh, a movie, uh, it's a Catholic movie called Purgatory, uh, The Secret Revelations of Padre Pio and Fula Harak, uh, produced by Michael Kadrat. It, it was just a, a two-day premiere they had this week. But one thing that they talked about is not only praying for the souls in purgatory, but they also talked about offering our sacrifices and sufferings for the souls in purgatory. And I think that that's a big component that we have lost in our Catholic tradition, in our Catholic faith. Um, you know, we, we, we talk about praying for the souls and just, you know, offering masses and prayers. But um, when it comes to suffering, we run away from it. Um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a hard thing to, to take on, you know, to take on our little sufferings like a headache or uh, a back pain or any like any suffering that we have. And, and what are your thoughts on how can we as Catholics rediscover a love for suffering for the souls of purgatory um, when faced with sickness or any of that? Mm. That's uh, yeah, that's a fantastic thing to bring up because that is true. We can in a way suffer for the Holy souls in purgatory and offer our sufferings, unite them to the cross for these holy souls. Um, one very practical way that you mentioned is to uh, offer your headache. You know, it's something as simple. It sounds silly, but it's not silly. You can offer that up uh, for the sanctification of the soul. And I think of my wife uh, when she was going through labor pains, she was offering up all of those labor pains for the conversion of sinners and the holy souls in purgatory. It reminds me also of this story. I, I wonder if I could tell it. I'm not sure how much time we have here. Go but, for it. Um, uh, it's it's a story out of this little booklet uh, on purgatory by uh, Father Buckley. Uh, he's with the Fraternity of St. Peter. I think it's a really nice little booklet. You can you can pick it up on their fraternity bookstore. But it tells the story of this abbey of St. Vincent near La Trobe. And on September 10th in 1859, a novice saw an apparition of a Benedictine in full choir dress. And this apparition repeated every day from September 18th to November 19th, either at 11 o'clock at noon or at two o'clock in the morning. And it was on the 19th of November that this novice interrogated the spirit. I mean, this is like super brave for this person to do this. I, I would be terrified, right? And so he interrogates the spirit and in the presence of another member of the community asked what the motive of the operations were. And he replied that he had suffered for 77 years for having neglected to celebrate seven masses of obligation. Oof. That he had already appeared to, at different times to seven other Benedictines, but that he had not been heard or that he would be obliged to appear again after 11 years if the novice did not come to his assistance. Finally, and this is where you know this kind of ties in, he asks for this novice to... Uh, do these masses of obligation, but also to do penance for him. So he says, um, the novice must remain in retreat for seven days, keep strict silence, and during 30 days recite three times the psalm miserere, his feet bare and his arms extended in the form of a cross. All the conditions were fulfilled between November 20th and December 25th. 
and on that day, after the celebration of the last Mass, the apparition disappeared. So God uses, sometimes, he gives permission to the souls to leave these places and to appear to us. And very often, the common thread is, please continue to pray for me. Please pray for me. Please offer sacrifices. Please do penance for me. And they need us. And we can offer that. That's an amazing thing. Isn't that such an honor to, to be able to do that for these people? I wish that if I end up there, that somebody can do that for me. Yeah. Amen to that. Well, we are just about out of time, actually, with Rudolfo Carlos. Uh, he is the co-host of the Glad Trad podcast, and we're so grateful to have had a conversation today about all saints and even all souls. What a wonderful thing to do to remind ourselves of the uh, glorious witness of those saints that go before us who are striving also to see us reach, uh, you know, the beatific vision, but to pray for those souls in purgatory because we'll, get, we'll want someone to pray for us if we make it there, trust me. Uh, but, Rudy, thank you for your time today. God bless you. God love you. And uh, have a great day. Thank you. You too. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's Facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Why do Catholics call Mary the Queen of Heaven? Doesn't God rebuke the Israelites in the Old Testament for worshiping a false goddess called the Queen of Heaven? Should we not refer to Mary with that title, therefore, since it's a title of a false god? In Jeremiah 7, verse 18, God is indeed upset with the Israelites for worshiping a false goddess called the Queen of Heaven. However, just because God rebuked them for worshiping the false Queen of Heaven doesn't mean that we cannot pay honor to the true Queen of Heaven, the Blessed Mother. That type of thinking would lead you to believe that just because people worship a false god that they call God, we therefore should not call the true God by that same name, God, because that's the same name the idolaters use for their God. That is faulty logic and it makes no sense whatsoever. Again, the fact that there is a false queen of heaven does not lead to the conclusion that we worship a false goddess when we call Mary the queen of heaven. Just as the fact that there is a false god does not lead to the conclusion that we worship a false god when we call our Father in heaven God. And there is a true queen of heaven. We see this quite clearly in Revelation 12 verse 1. And a great portent appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of 12 stars. Let's see. There's a woman. She's in heaven. And she has a crown on her head. I could be wrong, but I don't think that's the cleaning lady. No, it's the true Queen of Heaven, Mary, the mother of the male child who is to rule the nations. We do not worship Mary, we honor her just as Jesus honors her. So there is absolutely nothing wrong from a scriptural point of view in calling Mary the Queen of Heaven and in honoring her just as Jesus honors her. After all, if Jesus is the King, then Mary is truly the Queen Mother of Heaven. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. 
And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now, here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. This is uh, not Joe McClain. This is uh, Adrian Fonseca, your producer, and today is a day off. Why? Because today is All Saints Day. It is the Feast of All the Saints. Praise be to God. All Saints, pray for us. Amen. Amen. And uh, because of this, it's a holy day of obligation, so the GRN has the day off. So that means no live show. This is a pre-recorded show. But don't worry. Tomorrow we will be back for our regularly scheduled live broadcast where we will have our game show with prizes are involved. Praise be to God. But today, so we're going to talk about the Feast of Christ the King, which was yesterday on the traditional calendar and is at the end of the month and in the new calendar. So we will have, or right before the Sunday of Advent. So it's the last Sunday of the year is the Feast of Christ the King on the new calendar. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that. Uh, we're going to throw in to uh, talk about why we have the Feast of Christ the King, read to you a little bit about the encyclical of Christ the King. And it's very important. Why? Because Pius XI, who instituted this feast, wrote it for our times. He wrote it for against communism, against the errors of the day, against Americanism, against the anti-monarchy that was happening in the world today. And it's still happening today. You read these things and you're like, wow, like this sounds like he could have been talking to you and I. And, uh, and praise be to God for it because Pius XI was such a holy man. Now, we're going to jump into it, but just so you know... I have no idea what I did for Halloween. What did you do for Halloween? Let us know. I don't know yet because we're, this is a pre-recorded show, as I said before. So this is being recorded a week before it actually airs. So praise be to God for it. But I have no idea what we did. So tune in tomorrow to let so we can let you know what wait, what did we do over the weekend? What was the uh, Halloween like? All Hallows Eve. And uh, what did Joe dress up as? I'm guessing he didn't dress up. That's my that's my guess. He, I don't think he dressed up for Halloween. But we'll see what happens. So praise be to God for that. And finally, let's see. In the last hour, we talked to Rudolfo Carlos with the Glad Trad podcast about All Saints Day. So everything you could want to know about All Saints Day, the holy souls in purgatory, how do you get indulgence for your deceased family members? All that was happening in the last hour. So feel free. Make sure you go check out our website, uh, grnonline.com forward slash CDT to get the information on our last hour to get to go see the video of it if you would like to see that uh, all that information can be found on our website grnonline.com forward slash cdt grnonline.com forward slash cdt all righty we're going to jump into it we're going to start off with the gospel of the day first and then do saint of the day uh, and then we're going to go to a break come back talk about the beast of christ the king a little bit more but all that coming up right now so praise be to God. Let's jump into it. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother, to thee to come before thee I stand sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. 
In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. So today we're going to start off with the gospel, no breaking news, and the gospel for today is John chapter 18, or actually, let me rephrase that. So go to Mass, you'll hear the gospel there. This is the gospel for the traditional Latin Mass on the Feast of Christ the King, which was yesterday. This is John 18, verse 33 to 37. Pilate therefore went into the hall again and called Jesus and said to him, Art thou the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Sayest thou this thing of thyself, or have others told it thee of me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Thy own nation and the chief priests have delivered thee up to me. What hast thou done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would certainly strive that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from hence. Pilate therefore said to him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king, for this was I born, and for this I came into the world, that I should give testimony to the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. The Gospel of the Lord. The saint of the day, as we said before, is the, it is the feast of Christ the King yesterday and All Saints Day today. And so that's what we're going to be talking about, the feast of Christ the King. The Feast of Christ the King was established on December 11, 1925, and it was to be done on the Sunday before All Saints Day, and it was uh, then transferred to the last Sunday of the year, which during the next segment, we're going to talk a little bit about how that happened, why that happened, and a little bit of uh, information there. But without further ado, here is Pius XI's encyclical on the Feast of Christ the King. The empire of our Redeemer embraces all men, to use the words of our immortal predecessor, Pope Leo XIII. His empire includes not only Catholic nations, not only baptized persons who, though of right belonging to the church, have been led astray by error or have been cut off from her by schism, but also those who are outside the Christian faith, so that truly the whole of mankind is subject to the power of Jesus Christ. Nor is there any difference in this matter between the individual and the family or the state. For all men whether collectively or individually, are under the dominion of Christ. In him is the salvation of the individual, in him is the salvation of society. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given to men whereby we must be saved. He is the author of happiness and the true prosperity for every man and for every nation. For a nation is happy when its citizens are happy. What else is a nation but a number of men living in concord? When one man, when once man recognize, both in private and in public life, that Christ is king, society will at last receive the great blessing of real liberty, well-ordered disciple, peace, and harmony. That these blessings may be abundant and lasting in Christian society, it is necessary that the kingship of our Savior should be as widely as possible recognized and understood. Yet in many places, the empire of Christ over all nations was rejected. The right which the church has from Christ himself to teach mankind to make laws, to govern peoples in all that pertains to their eternal salvation, that right was denied. Then gradually the religion of Christ came to be likened to false religions and to be placed ignominiously on the same level with them. It was then put under the power of the state and tolerated more or less at the whim of princes and rulers. Hmm, sounds like Australia and the United States and most countries. Some men went even further. 
There were even some nations who thought they could dispense with God, that the, their religion should consist in impiety and, and the neglect of God. The rebellion of individuals and states against the authority of Christ has produced deplorable consequences. We firmly hope, however, that the feast of the kingship of Christ, which in future will be yearly observed, may hasten the return to society of our, to our loving Savior. It would be the duty of Catholics to do all they can to bring about this happy result. Many of these, however, have neither the station in society nor the authority which should belong to those who bear the torch of truth. This state of things may perhaps be attributed to a certain slowness and timidity in good people who are reluctant to engage in conflict or oppose but a weak resistance. Thus, the enemies of the church become bolder in their attacks. But if the faithful were generally to understand that it behooves them ever to fight courageously under the banner of Christ the King, then fired with the apostolic zeal, they would strive to win over to their Lord those hearts that are bitter and estranged from him and would valiantly defend his rights. Moreover, the annual and universal celebration of the Feast of the Kingship of Christ will draw attention to the evils which anti-clericalism has brought upon society in drawing men away from Christ, and will also do much to remedy them. While nations insult the beloved name of our, of our Redeemer by suppressing all mention of him in their conferences and in their parliaments, we must all the more loudly proclaim his kingly dignity and power, all the more universally affirm his rights. When we pay honor to the princely dignity of Christ, men will doubt, doubtless be reminded that the church, founded by Christ as a perfect society, has a natural and inalienable right to perfect freedom and immunity from the power of the state. And in the fulfilling the task committed to her, and the fulfilling the task committed to her by God of teaching, ruling, and guiding to eternal bliss, those who belong to the kingdom of Christ, she cannot be subject to any external power. Nations will be reminded by the annual celebration of the feast that not only private individuals, but also rulers and princes are bound to give public honor and obedience to Christ. It will call to their minds the thought of the last judgment wherein Christ, who has been cast out of public life, despised, neglected, and ignored, will most severely avenge these insults. For his kingly dignity demands that the state should take account of the commandments of God and of Christian principles, both in making laws and administering justice, and also in providing for the young a sound moral education. Sounds like a condemnation of the public school system, if you ask me. The faithful, moreover, by meditating upon these truths, will gain much strength and courage, enabling them to form their lives after the true Christian ideal. If to Christ our Lord is given all power in heaven and on earth, if all men purchased by his precious blood are by a new right subjected to his dominion, if this power embraces all men, it must be clear that not one of our faculties is exempt from his empire. He must reign in our minds, which should assent with perfect submission and firm belief to reveal truths and to the doctrine of, doctrines of Christ. He must reign in our wills, which should obey the laws and precepts of God. He must reign in our hearts, which should spurn natural desires and love God above all things and cleave to him alone. He must reign in our bodies and our members, which should serve as instruments for the interior sanctification of our souls, or to use the words of St. Paul, and instruments of justice unto God. If all these truths are presented to the faithful for their consideration, they will prove a powerful incentive to perfection. It is our fervent desire, venerable brethren, that those who are without the fold may seek after the, and accept the sweet yoke of Christ, and that we, 
who by the mercy of God are of the household of the faith may bear that yoke, not as a burden, but with joy, with love, with devotion, that having lived our lives in accordance with the laws of God's kingdom, we may receive full measure of good fruit, counted by Christ's good and faithful servants. We may be rendered partakers of eternal bliss and glory with him in his heavenly kingdom. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Christ is king. Truly, he is king. Amen. Amen. Now, who? what does it mean that Christ is king? Let's break this open just a little bit. And when I, if you wanted to see where I got that from, that's Pius XI's encyclical, Quas Primas. And also, if you have the Benedictus, it's kind of like the Magnificat uh, prayer book. And this is the Benedictus. It's the Latin Mass version of the Magnificat, essentially. And what is the Feast of Christ the King? Well, uh, Pius XI was living through communism, fascism, and other kinds of isms that were arising throughout the world. And the monarchies were dying. Monarchies were being oppressed. We had Americanism uh, popping up. The United States was being created. A democratization of the world was happening. And Pius XI looked at this and saw there a great need to have our Lord present as Christ the King. Now, this has so many ramifications. I can imagine, like, obviously, I didn't see the Cristeros writing about how this was, they were inspired by Christ the King. I don't know if the Cristeros read Quas Primas, but they didn't need to because the Cristeros, when they were fighting, they had in their hearts that Christ is King. He's not just King over our hearts, but he is King over our hearts. It's true that he is King over our hearts, but he's also sovereign over all things. He's sovereign over everything. And so if someone tells you to do something that is contrary to the will of God, you have to respond, long live Christ the King. Why? Because Christ is our ruler at the end of the day. And what he says goes, it's kind of like, think about it this way. If your boss tells you to do A, but your uh, immediate superior tells you to do B, who do you listen to? Well, obviously you listen to the person who reigns supreme. You listen to the person who signs the paychecks. Not necessarily your direct supervisor, because the boss is over your superior. In the same way, Christ is king. Christ is king over everything. And so if, if the government tells you to do one thing, but you know it goes against Christ the king's rules, his order, we have to say no. Viva Cristo Rey. If the rights of the church are being stamped out, we must say no. Viva Cristo Rey. This is the attitude we must have when these things start coming towards us. And as Pius XI stated here, the problem today, the reason why the enemies of the church have gained so much ground, the reasons why the enemies of the church are starting to conquer, and it seems, even though it's not true, it seems that the gates of hell are prevailing, is because Catholics refuse to stand up and fight for Christ the King, fight with the banner of Christ the King over them. We're going to talk a little bit more about Christ the King coming up next. Uh, You won't want to go anywhere. A little bit more on Christ the King in just one moment. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. 
GloryAndShine.com, a generous underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. GloryAndShine.com is a Catholic family-owned company making a variety of personal care products ranging from lotions, soap bars, gift boxes, body mist, beard care, and more. At GloryAndShine.com, they state their mission is to, quote, craft every product with deep intention while holding a vision of sharing the gospel. They are good for the body, mind, and soul, unquote. God love you, GloryAndShine.com. Thank you again. The next National Men's March to End Abortion is Monday, November 15th in Baltimore. We will gather outside of a local abortion center and march to our rally point outside of the USCCB Fall Assembly. Men, it's time. Surely, if you're thinking about the reality, the horror, and the enormity of abortion, you have to be moved to do something. Go to themensmarch.com for more information and commit to join us on November 15th in Baltimore. no live show no in fact this is a pre-recorded show there is no live show today but don't worry tomorrow we will be back in studio live to do your regularly scheduled live broadcasting so praise be to god for that you won't want to miss it we're going to have our game show just like normal starting tomorrow and prizes will be involved so praise be to god but for today we're going to continue talking about the feast of christ the king we're going to talk about kings in general talk about why is this important for us and one thing that i wanted to focus on is the great mystery that kings have in our minds. Kings have this, this idea, the idea of king. When you hear the word king, that just pierces your heart, it pierces your mind. And we have these ideas of a king initially that are just buried in our minds, and it pops up when we bring it up. Now, why is this important? I, I like to think of the, the mythology that we have in the past, when we think of like King Arthur, and that we have these ideas of the hidden king. Think about how many stories has the hidden king element of it, where you have somebody that's living a commoner among the people uh, that's, that rises up and turns out this guy who is a homeless, looks like a homeless guy, turned out to be the king of the nation. Or a king exiled into the into middle of nowhere who returns to take back his kingdom. How many times do we see that kind of trope playing out over and over again? I'm thinking, like we think of, um, of the most obvious one is King Arthur. We have the stories, uh, I'm thinking the true myths that we talk about whenever um, the C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien talk about kings and these mythologies, they bring up the fact that there's these true myths of the king, of all these kings. And what happens? Why? What are these coming from? This comes from the depths of our heart crying out for what? But for Christ the king. Because Christ is the ultimate example of this, who the man who was God, who is God, became incarnate, dwelt among us, and lives among us. And what? how did he become incarnate? Did he become incarnate as some glorious king? Did he become uh, the son of Herod and become the new ruler of Jerusalem? No, 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 no. Instead, he became a babe. He came as our, under the, uh, in, the, in the womb of our blessed Virgin Mary. And how did this happen? Yet, our Lord was still king, even though he was born in a manger. Even though... That he was seen to have nothing. He was still king. Christ is king even then. Because our lady was royalty. St. Joseph was royalty. They were of the line of the kingdom of David. And so they had that authority still with them. And so when our Lord was born, he was born in that same line. He still had a real kingdom here on earth. And the kingdom of heaven 
is a reflection of the kingdom on earth. People hate the ideas of kingdom. Why do they hate the ideas of kingdom nowadays? Well, there's two errors here. Egalitarianism and Gnosticism. Those are the two errors of our day, and these two errors reject Christ the King. Why do they reject it? Well, let's primarily focus on egalitarianism for a second. Egalitarianism hates kingdoms and loves democracy. Why is that the case? Well, democracy is very appealing for people who are on the left because you can just bully everyone. It becomes mob rule. It becomes, you know, everyone's whims. If everyone decides that good is evil, then and then good is evil. And if everybody decides evil is good, then evil is good. But what does our Lord say? Our Lord says, woe to them who call good evil and evil good. Now, that's a scary thought. Because what is our nation doing except doing just that? We are calling good evil. We see all these degeneracies happening all over the nation. And what do we do? We say, oh, that's good. That's At least that's what the majority of people do. I'm not saying that you and I do, because I definitely do not think that is good. And I will speak out against that every chance I get. And I don't want to give exact examples because I know a lot of uh, kids listen to this hour. But I do want to emphasize this point, that Christ is sovereign over all things. That Christ is not just king of our home, and he is king of our home. He's not just king of our will, and he is king of our will. He's not just king of our heart, and he is king of our heart. But he's king over all laws, over all nations. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bend above the earth, under the earth, and in the earth. Right? And we're here on the earth. And we will bow to the kingdom of God, to the kingdom, to Jesus Christ, who is king. And we are lucky because when our Lord came the first time, he came as a babe. He allowed himself to be crucified. He was so humble that he said, I will lay down my life. And then he comes now in all humility and the blessed sacrament. We can go and see him. We can receive him and we can desecrate him. He gives us the licentiousness to be able to desecrate the blessed sacrament. In all humility, he allows himself to be locked away in the tabernacle where no one visits him. But at the second coming, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who is king of all nations, will return. And then there will be the judgment. And our Lord, when he comes in his glory, no, there will be no more. There will be no more of, the, uh, of, these, of these crazy things going on. No, every knee shall bend. If not out of love, then they will bend out of fear out of fear for the just punishments that our Lord will give to us, this is what will happen. So may I recommend yesterday all the uh, churches in the traditional Latin Mass uh, consecrated their homes and their families and their churches and the world to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. May I recommend to you today to go look up the uh, Sacred Heart Jesus devotion and make that uh, consecration to the Sacred Heart. So you can, um, we, this is what we all are trying to do. We're trying to make Christ the king over the nation because the separation of church and state, that is an absurd idea. The separation of church and state exists only because we're trying to say, oh, you know, I mean, whenever you look at Thomas Jefferson, when he wrote about this, he was saying, yes, of course, separation of church and state, because we want to protect the church from the state, not protect the state from the church, because the church has priority over the state. And the education system, I, it really struck me in this. If you go back and listen to what we talked about in the last hour, I'm going to see if I can find it here. He talks about the education system that not only, here it goes, the state should take account of the commandments of God and of Christian principles, 
both in making laws and administrating justice, but also in providing for the young a sound moral education. Does that sound like the nation that we live in? Is the nation that we live in today have our laws and the, the education of our children and the principles that we follow and the administration of justice? Is this all based on the kingdom of Christ? I'm going to say no, I don't think so. But it should be. It should be, shouldn't it? Should it not? No, so our Lord here has given us the command to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Are we doing that? Do we love God enough? Or are we going to be like uh, like it says right here in the letter, encyclical letter, I highly recommend going looking up Quas Primas. Go check out the whole uh, encyclical. He goes through this systematically and explains what is going on here and why he does this. He points out the errors of our day and how we have to bring this up now. We have to fight for the title of Christ the King over all things, especially today when we see so many crazy things going on in the education system. It's corrupting our children. And our kids need to understand. Just like Jose Sanchez de Rio, who was just a little boy, I believe if I remember correctly, he was 13 years old. And whenever he has, was faced with the choice whether to die a martyr's death or to do, deny Christ the King, he chose death. He chose martyrdom. We should be telling these stories to our children to show them that Christ is King and that we today may be called to stand up and fight for Christ the King. With Christ the King's banner over our heads, we will be victorious. But only if people stand up. Pius XI points out that if the reason why the enemies of the church gain so much ground is because we Christians, you and I, refuse to stand up and fight. We refuse to stand up and exert our will, the will that is Christ. Because remember, Christ is king over our will. And if Christ is king over our will, will we not act? Will we not take Christ's law, take Christ's gospel, and apply it to every situation? It doesn't belong just in church. It doesn't just belong in our homes. It belongs in the public square. It belongs in our school system. It belongs in the workplace. How many people get today off? If today is the feast of, our, of All Saints Day, a holy day of obligation, yet how many people have today off? I'd venture to guess probably nobody, almost no one, unless you're working for a Catholic organization, probably no one. But we should, because Christ is king over all things, and holy days of obligation should be a day of rest. Yet here we are, how many schools have today off? We have to exert our will. We have to show forth the fact that our Lord is sovereign over all things. Pius XI, in his encyclical letter, uh, Quas Primas, he talks about the missionary zeal. He says the missionary, ex uh, the have, we, has to, we have seen increasing zeal of the church for the spread of the kingdom of her spouse to the most far distant regions of the earth. This was back in the 20s, the 1920s. What's happened? What has happened? Have we given up the missionary mandate? No. Our Lord's commands still stand today. No, instead, we have to stand up and we have to shout to the glory of Christ the King. Tell the stories of the, of the great kings. I want you to go get the, uh, the book uh, on King St. Ferdinand. Get, understand the life of King Louis IX. Read the stories of Emperor um, of, uh, Charlemagne, Emperor Charlemagne. Read the stories of the Cristero martyrs. I'm thinking especially, I mentioned already, Jose Sanchez de Rio going off to die, shouting, Viva Cristo Rey! Viva Cristo Rey! Viva la Virgen de Guadalupe! 
Will we have that kind of courage at the end of our lives? Well, um, that's going to be enough talking about Feast of Christ the King. Uh, amen. God bless you. If you can make it to the traditional mass, I highly recommend. It's a beautiful feast day today for the Feast of All Saints. I highly recommend if you get the chance, find the nearest Latin Mass community and try going to Latin Mass for the first time, especially today. It's not a normal Mass, but it is a very beautiful Mass. So it's a very good Mass to see if you've never been. Uh, tomorrow we will be back in studio. We'll be back with a live show and uh, we'll be here and the game show will be on. So praise be to God, a new show, a new surprise sponsor will be here tomorrow. And remember, Viva Cristo Rey. Christ is King. Truly, he is King. Amen. Amen. Praise be to God. And tomorrow we will have, let's see, Mike with Restoring the Faith Media will be on tomorrow to talk about inflation, talk about the economy. Uh, we'll see. So praise be to God. Don't Make sure to tune in tomorrow and we'll be here live as usual. So praise be to God. Thank you very much for tuning in and we'll be back tomorrow morning. Uh, check out our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Let us know any questions, comments, concerns, soapboxes, negativities, positivities, or anything in between. And praise be to God. We will see you tomorrow. Uh, Viva Cristo Rey. Viva la Virgen de Guadalupe. Christ is King. Truly, he is King. Amen. Amen. God bless you. God love you. And we'll see you right back here at the same time, same place uh, tomorrow morning. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you.